Hello, I'm Sandra Olwine, pastor at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. And on behalf of our congregation and staff, I wanna welcome you to this time of worship. We know that in the season of Pentecost and the days after, we give thanks for the gift of God's Holy Spirit that comes that we might be enlivened with hope and that we might be given purpose and passion for our daily lives. So anticipation that the Spirit will work within us and among us in this time, let us turn our hearts to praise, prayer, and proclamation. We are glad that we can gather, united by the Spirit's presence, across our many places. In thanksgiving to God, then, will you join us in the call to worship. God of the prophets, call to us today. Call us into your ways of love, justice, and righteousness. God of the poets, remind us again how much you love us. Sing to us your ways of love, justice, and righteousness. God of the disciples, teach us how to follow you. Teach us your ways of love, justice, and righteousness. 
God of all creation, help us to know your ways. We gather to hear your call, to sing your praise. To teach each other to pray and worship as the body of Christ. In prayer, we open our hearts, minds, and spirits to God's presence. As we begin worship, prayer then is a very good place to start. Please join me in the prayer of the day. God, the encourager, God, the compassionate, God, the merciful, holy, and blessed, disturb us, rouse us from our sleep, lift us into consciousness of your presence, Change us, move us, mold us for the better, so that at the sound of your voice, at the call of our name, we will never be the same. May our worship do this and so much more. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning, young Christians. Today, we're looking at a passage of scripture from the Bible from the book of James in the New Testament. The passage begins, you must understand this, my beloved. Before we go any further, I wanna stop right there and make sure we all let that sink in. My beloved. Each of us are beloved to God. And it's from that knowing that we are loved by God and by others that we can continue to listen to God's word. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. 
Can we say that together? Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Whew. That is an important lesson, but it's a hard one, isn't it? Which one do you like more, listening or speaking? Do you ever find yourself getting angry really fast? Me too. But God loves us and can help us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. A little later in the passage, there's another really important message. It says that we should be not only hearers of God's word, but doers of God's word. Do you ever hear something, maybe something that a parent or a grown-up who takes care of you asks you to do, like put on your shoes or take care of your dishes? or feed the dog and you hear it but you don't actually do it is there anything that someone has to tell you over and over and over again to do sometimes we can hear something and agree and think yeah that's a good thing to do like feed the hungry or love your enemies so we can listen and hear and agree but what's a little bit harder is not only to be a hearer of the word but to be a doer of the word so today we're going to do a little practice of not just hearing but doing and how are we going to do that well of course with a game of simon says so, are you ready? First things first, Simon says, stand up. Simon says, touch your nose. Now, are you just being a hearer of these words or are you doing it? You should be standing up and touching your nose right now. Let's see what else we can do. Simon says, jump up and down. Simon says, spin around in a circle. Simon says, reach down and try to touch your toes. Simon says, give yourself a big hug. And remember that you are beloved. Great job, everybody, not just being hearers of these words, but doers. Let's see if we can all work this week to not just hear God's message, but to do what God calls us to do. And we can start by working on being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anchor. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving us so much and helping us with things that are hard. 
Help us this week to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Help us to be not only hearers of your word, but doers who act. In Jesus' name we pray. There's one more thing I want to tell you before you go. In just a few weeks, we are going to have a vacation Bible school at the church. Isn't that so exciting? It's called Camp Creative. Did you know that you are creative? That's right, because God is creative and God made all of us in God's image. So during Camp Creative, we're gonna spend the whole week discovering all the many ways that we can use our creativity to care for the earth, for ourselves, and for others in our world. It's gonna be a great week and so much fun, and I really hope you'll join us. We listen for the Word of God as conveyed through Scripture. Today, we begin by listening to Psalm 107, verses 1 through 3 and 23 through 32. Consider how the Spirit speaks to you through this passage. give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those God redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and God brought them out from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad, because they had quiet and God brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for God's wonderful works to humankind. Let them extol God in the congregation of the people and praise God in the assembly of the elders.
The scripture that Pastor John has chosen for this morning comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Listen for the word of God contained in this text. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if there are any hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
It's so good to be with you on this Sunday morning. These are transitional and exciting times for First Church. We have said goodbye to Pastor Sandy, and we are going to be saying hello to Pastor Amy in a couple of weeks. It was a number of years ago, on Labor Day weekend, back in 1992 to be precise, that I was standing here in this chapel preaching on the Sunday before we moved back into the sanctuary. We had been displaced for 18 months because of the Sierra Madre earthquake. So that Sunday was a pivotal point. And here I am again as we move into a new appointment year and a time of change for this congregation. We come together today wondering about the future, all the while knowing that we are undergirded by God's grace. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength, our hope, our redemption. Amen. They are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. Well, I don't know about you, but there are times when I don't think that that is such a bad thing, times that I want to forget what it is I am seeing in the mirror. You know what I'm talking about. There are days when I simply do not recognize the person staring back at me, thinking that someone is playing some sort of a game involving computer-generated imaging. I wonder who that now more than middle-aged man is, the one without hair, the one with extra pounds in the middle. You see, most days on the inside, I do not feel like the person I am looking at. What about you? Now, some might suggest that this is a problem, an incongruence, an avoidance of reality. Well, the psychologists can work on that one all they want. I would just like to keep pretending that I am somewhere in the land of 40, 50-something, at least mentally. Mirrors have a very interesting place in some of our Western literature and our fairy tales. Where does your mind go when you think of a mirror? I cannot disconnect early childhood memories of the Brothers Grimm's story of Snow White and the chanting of the Queen, mirror, mirror, on the wall. It was Lewis Carroll who perhaps gave us English speakers some of the most intriguing thoughts on the mirror and just what was looking back at us. In Alice's adventures through the looking glass, the mirror could not be trusted to reflect what was actually there. The other side of the mirror was clearly a different reality. The foundations that one assumed to be in place were absolutely not the case. Obviously, the human family has been developing notions about mirrors for a long, long time. Actually, it's close to 8,000 years. But in early first century Palestine, the time our text comes from, this idea of forgetting what you were like when you left the mirror wasn't so far-fetched. Mirrors as we know them didn't appear till sometime much later in the first century, the mirrors that are glass backed with silver. The majority of mirrors of that day, if you were wealthy enough to have one, 
were polished metal, and at best they provided a somewhat dim reflection. Hence that statement you might remember from Paul to the Corinthians where he said, now we see in a mirror dimly. It's also an image that grabbed the attention of James in our text this morning. I have to include this epistle, this letter from James, as one of my favorite texts, largely because it is so Wesleyan. The letters thrust that actions speak louder than words. The overarching theme that faith without works is a dead faith. Those things have really resonated with me on my walk of faith. At the same time, this epistle for almost two millennia have been, it's been a source of debate within the Christian community. No less than the icon of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther himself, called it an epistle of straw. Some have argued that it should never have made it into the canon. And while that was probably not Martin Luther's goal, he did not view this text as having the same authority as other writings of the New Testament. So why might that be? Well, there are those who would argue it is because of the notion within it that says faith without works is dead. We need to remember that Paul, Paul was the proponent of salvation by faith and faith alone, and that had a huge impact on the early and later church, something very much in line with Luther's own thinking. So it begs the question, why do we have this letter? Why did it appear? Well, some might suggest that it was perhaps a corrective to Paul's teaching. Perhaps it was something even more nuanced than that. And while the arguments and the debate might make for a very interesting theological discourse, it really misses the point for us and serves to divert us from a teaching that really, I believe, is very central to our identity. The statements that James makes, most would argue, are absolutely in alignment with Jesus' teaching. Over and over again, Jesus stressed the importance of actions, how we treat one another, how grace should abound. His was a ministry of healing, not ripping apart the human family. His was a ministry where all people were valued, even those that the establishment looked down upon. Be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. When we hold on to that idea, and when we couple it with this illustration of the mirror, we really have an interesting proposition in front of us. Are we Are we what we appear to be? Are we what we see? Is that reflection accurate? Something we take with us everywhere we go. Well, today I want us to imagine that we are looking into the mirror and asking ourselves, what do we see on a variety of levels? If we think of Christianity in broad terms, what do we see? If we think of the church, what do we see? But even more important, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, what do we see? Undergirding this, of course, is James' question, and I'll paraphrase it and say, 
Is what we see in that mirror congruent with who we are and our actions? When I think of Christianity, what do we see in the mirror? Several years ago, I preached a sermon in which I indicated I no longer call myself a Christian. Now, that might seem somewhat scandalous for a clergy person in the United Methodist Church. So let me explain. While I no longer use that term, I now call myself a follower of Jesus. It is very difficult to defend the thirst for power, the colonialism, the lack of honest dialogue that has plagued our faith through the centuries. It is particularly worrisome when a nativist, nationalist kind of Christianity seems to be the operative definition in the nation in which we live. It has become far too easy for the faith to be more about the cults of personality and the demagogues it has lifted up. To be blunt, too much of our history and many of our aspirations have little to do with following Jesus. If they did, many think the church would be in an entirely different place. What seems so clear is that following Jesus, following Jesus, that is what brings us life, and that is what sets us on God's preferred path for our daily living. When our United Methodist Church looks in the mirror, what do we see? Well, if we are honest, we see a very human institution that sometimes, once in a while, lets God's spirit break in. But for the most part, it has written all over it the mixture of motivations that is our human family. Within it, we can see the thirst for power, the thirst for control, the insatiable need to determine who is in, who is out, and determining who is the most correct. We see how the structures and the hierarchies that go with them monopolize the dialogue and our time and energy, pushing aside following Jesus. And rather than boldly moving forward as a denomination and taking a chance, it is as if the pause button has now been hit and our denomination is on hold. We don't know what the future will bring. There have been so many lines drawn in the sand. And we know, we know that a split is surely coming. We see it writ large. The fact that we finally understand that we have competing understandings of Scripture and what it means to be faithful community and these competing understandings cannot be reconciled. Many have given up. I do not believe that it is an accident that for the first time in our nation's history, the majority of the population no longer belongs to a church, a synagogue, a mosque, or some organized religious expression. It's a very sobering fact. but I don't believe that it's the end of the story. 
You see, when God is allowed to break in, when we, we open ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen. You've seen it. I've seen it. And it is most often in our local settings. I have seen how faith communities can hold up those who are fragile, those who are ill. I have seen care and concern for the poor, for the oppressed. I have seen community engagement that actually creates change. The faith community, friends, can be such a holy place. I have personally experienced the prayer and the support that have been there during some of the most challenging times. And we have all experienced the joy together. We have all participated in the grief together. I have experienced some of the most amazing people in local churches whose faith and fortitude are examples for my daily living, and they continue to impact my aspirations. What do our churches see when looking at the mirror? Well, it depends. It depends. FUMC Pasadena is once again going through change. Every time that happens, we have the opportunity to remember and define who we are. What are the most important parts of this place which are defining, that are life-giving, that are spirit-led? Important questions to consider. What are the things of which we might need to now let go because they were for another time and another place? Just as important questions to consider. What do we see in the mirror? Will the reflection be of a congregation that yearns to be about God's work of justice love, and grace. The message of James' letter is most powerful and impactful when we narrow down our vision even more to the place where we are zeroing in on our lives, our individual walk of faith. When each of us stand before that mirror, what do we see? Do we see a follower of Jesus A person who seeks to build up rather than tear apart. A person who embraces God's children. Or instead, is it a person who practices exclusion? Do we see a person who is self-focused? Or a person who yearns for the good of all? A person who understands that we all walk by grace. Do we see in that mirror a person who realizes that they are a precious child of God and that we are all created in God's image? Is the person that we see in that mirror a doer of the word? James asks us to consider what happens when we walk away from that mirror. Do we remember who we are? The late Maya Angelou summed it up so well. We have to confront ourselves. Do we like what we see in the mirror? And according to our light, 
according to our understanding, according to our courage, we will have to say yea or nay and rise. Amen. Please join me now in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Active and creating God, you call us to be doers of your word in this world, to extend ourselves to others, to bring about your commonwealth for all. The activity of your Holy Spirit invites us to join you in creating all that is good, in opposing evil and selfishness, and in hastening Christ's reign. Hear our prayers for the strength to do good, for the effectiveness of the church that Christ built, and for the needs of others. O God, bless your people in every place, that the work of your faithful ones may be a reflection of your generous and accepting love. Guide the work of all of our leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and Superintendent Jim along with the many lay people who have taken up tasks of administration or spiritual care. Today we especially lift up the work of our friends at Christ Church in Santa Maria and at First United Methodist Church in North Hollywood. And we especially pray for our own congregation as we enter this time of transition. Open our hearts to welcome our new pastor, Amy, to support her leadership and to encourage her ministry as she brings new visions and ideas to this place. Free us from past assumptions and failures, and help us to join hands with her in imagining a new day for Christ's work in downtown Pasadena. You call us to be doers of the word as we support our less fortunate sisters and brothers. Use us to ameliorate suffering on the streets of the city, in our nation, and around the globe. Protect your children wherever they suffer under the weight of injustice or violence or scarcity. Convert the hearts of leaders bent on furthering their own power to working for the good of all. Unclench the hands of those who have so much so that others may survive and thrive. Sustain all of those populations facing natural disasters today and the results of climate change. Because you call us to form your blessed community, we pray for one another in our need. We place before you the many names and situations found in our weekly prayer list, as well as the needs that are known only to you. Especially today, hear our prayers for Kurt and Nancy Elrod as they each complete a time of healing, along with the countless ones around the world who continue to be affected by the coronavirus. Comforting God. Send your healing spirit among all who mourn, especially Richard Langstaff and his family, as they grieve the passing of Richard's father, Richard Langstaff Sr., and the family of the Reverends Myron and Martha Wingfield, as they mourn the loss of their son Jesse after a long battle with cancer. Even in the darkest days of life, O oh God, we believe that your light still shines. Help us to reflect that light for our friends who are suffering life's dark days, that their hope may rise, and that a brighter day may eventually dawn. 
make our love and caring for others a means of more perfectly loving and serving you. We pray all of these things in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, who taught disciples to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. At our YouTube page, you can watch past services and concerts again, and share them with family and friends. Remember to like and subscribe. Next Sunday is the 4th of July, and much of the content for that day's online service will be provided by the staff of the annual conference. Then, two weeks from today on July 11th, in-person worship will resume in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. The Reverend Dr. Amy Aiken will offer her first sermon and celebrate Holy Communion as our new pastor. The summer choir will sing, and an all-church picnic will follow the service out in the cloister and fellowship hall. Typical picnic fare of burgers and hot dogs will be provided, including vegetarian options. You are asked to bring a salad or dessert to share with others. If you're planning to stay that day for the picnic, please give the church office a call with the number in your party and what you'll be bringing, a salad or a dessert. Now, if all of that went by too fast, I encourage you to take a moment to download today's bulletin. All that I have said today and much more can be found there. There have been a lot of staff vacations going on this week, so please bear with us during this transition time if you need to do business at the church office. We are planning to resume a normal schedule beginning July 1st. Finally, I have been asked to read this special announcement from the church's board of trustees, written by their chair, Marilyn Wylander. The trustees have regretfully determined that at this time and for multiple reasons, the policy of providing opportunities for the unhoused to sleep at the church needs to be discontinued. The primary reason for this change in policy is safety, although finances are also a factor. The challenges that the unhoused face is a national epidemic that must be addressed. For decades, our church has provided support in many ways. After Pastor Amy Aitken has had a chance to know a little more, First United Methodist Church will provide a forum for how we can better serve those in need. May we continue to be dedicated to being servant people to those in need, to our congregation, and to our staff and pastors. Please keep this situation in your prayers along with Marilyn and our Board of Trustees as they continue to lead us forward. More details on this situation are coming your way soon in a July issue of The Messenger, so watch your mailbox for that. Be well this week. Get a vaccine if you haven't already, and we will see each other soon.
Friends, go from this time of worship today, knowing that you are a precious child of God, that you are loved, and that you have a calling to make a difference in this world. So go out, engage the community, engage life. Go out with God's peace, God's hope, and God's grace. Amen.